every time I do it, I get something more out of it. It's Luke chapter eight. And um, it's cool because Jesus has just healed the slave, the servant of a, of like a cartel boss, drug operator, right? Kind of person, the equivalent of that. It was actually a Roman centurion. And um, which uh, Jesus was always doing things that caused people's eyebrows to be raised. The religious people, especially, they're like, oh, why is he helping that person? That is not cool. Jesus, you are the wrong, you're on the wrong side of the tracks. You got to be like against those people. Why are you for those bad guys, bad girls? And so Jesus was always getting into trouble with the, with the religious police, the religious police, right? Okay, so after he heals the slave of a of this centurion, who the centurion turns out was a really humble guy. There are humble military people and humble cops. Some, maybe, few. I don't know. Have you ever had, have any of you met a humble cop? Okay. Okay. You probably met some that weren't humble too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, this guy was humble enough that he went to Jesus and said, "Come and heal my my servant." Uh, who's I really care about this guy. He's super special. And then Jesus started to go there. And then he said, no, don't come. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say it from a distance and my servant will be better. Um, and so Jesus was blown away by the guy's faith and, and healed him from a distance. And the guy went back and found his servant completely better. And so then right after that, you have this story where Jesus has a crowd of people and they're walking towards this city, a little town with, called Nain, which means um, home, home place, pleasant place. Um, it wasn't pleasant though, because as he came with this crowd of people in uh, walking towards the town, um, who were probably all excited going, what's Jesus gonna do next? You know, um, you know and they were, they were excited about how Jesus went to help the people that no one else wanted to help. They must have been, right? And so then they see another crowd of people coming out of the gates of the city uh, with a body of a young man who was the only son of a widow whose wife, whose husband had died, who knows how. And um, so there's a confrontation between Jesus, who's about life, and this group of people that are going to bury this boy. Okay? And it's, it's, so let's read about it. Luke 8, um, Luke 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Okay? Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of a mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. So how would you feel if you were that mother and your husband had died and now your only son had just died? How would people be looking at you, you think, if you were the mom? Or how would we men be looking at a woman? Do we know people in our community who have uh, broken relationships, who 
who maybe lost their part for whatever reason. Maybe they're not dead, but maybe they're, and, and they have a son or daughter who's died or is worried about to die. Do we know anybody like that? Okay, so it's, so when, when the Lord saw her, first thing that we see is that God sees her. Okay, and, and he doesn't turn away his face, he sees. God sees all the people in our county who are worried about their kids and um, all the kids who are feeling dead or wanting to be dead, right? Jesus sees all of that. And um, one of the things we see is when the Lord sees in the Bible, it means that action is about to happen. God doesn't just look and go, oh, those poor things. No, when God sees, it's like there's action, like the, the Lord sees brings us right back to Exodus, where God is described as he tells Moses, who's this fugitive, who's run because he killed an Egyptian um, bad guy. And he ran into the wilderness and became a shepherd. And God says, I've heard the groanings of those in the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage. And they cried out and their cry to help because of their enslavement rose up to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them, okay? And then right after that, he calls Moses and says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to get my people out of Egypt, yeah. you know, to free the slaves, okay? Yeah. And then right after he says that, he says, surely I have seen the, the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've listened to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm, I know their sufferings and have come down to save them from the power of the Egyptians. Okay, so when, when Jesus sees something, it's not just like a curiosity. It's like there's action that's coming, okay? So let's see what he does next. Um, he sees the woman. Um, he felt compassion for her. Okay, so he didn't judge her, right? When God sees us, he doesn't judge us like the world judges us. He doesn't say... Oh, I wonder why her husband died and now her son. She must be a bad mom or a bad uh, husband, a wife. You know, must be her fault. Probably she was, wasn't taking care of her man or her son, right? No, Jesus uh, isn't about blaming. He doesn't, he doesn't blame. He doesn't do that. Jesus is anti-blame, okay? Um, unless he's going to blame the religious leaders for, for being blamers. He'll blame blamers, but he won't blame people who are broken and hurting. He never does. You can't find me one place and I'll give you a prize. I won't because I won't I won't reward that. You wouldn't find it anywhere. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. So Jesus has compassion on her and look what he says to her. It's weird. He says, don't weep. Why would he say that to a mom who's just lost her only son? Don't cry. Doesn't that seem kind of harsh? We know it can't be harsh because he, he, he sees her and he feels compassion for her. And then he says, don't, don't cry. Um, I've worked on that a little bit. And I found that right before this, Jesus says, uh, blessed are you who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And he just said that. Blessed are you who weep now, uh, because God is on the move. And God's going to turn your, your weeping into, into laughter. Okay, that's what God is committed to doing. We don't see enough of that, and we need to see more of that. Okay, That's what we want to be about, is seeing 
that shift. We want to see weeping interrupted, death interrupted, um, incarceration interrupted. I like um, I like how um, Underground Ministries talks about um, that, how they're committed to interrupting mass incarceration. I love that. I support that 100. percent We want to be we want we want to be about interrupting death, interrupting addiction, interrupting uh, cutting, interrupting suicide, interrupting um, you know homelessness, interrupting yeah. marital you know breakups, interrupting um, you know anorexia, bulimia, <laughs> interrupting all kinds of stuff. What else do we want to interrupt? Cancer. Guns, um, right? We want to interrupt a war. You know, right now, there's a lot of young men and women dying in Ukraine, and I, I'm against the the violence on both sides. I think it sucks that the Russians invaded uh, Ukraine, but I hate that America is profiting from it by sending just billions of dollars worth of weapons that we're paying for with our tax dollars to help Raytheon and other big. Uh, companies that make money through weapons manufacturing. I hate that. And I think Jesus is about interrupting war. He wouldn't be about supporting one side over and against the other. He'd be about interrupting interrupting the Russians, interrupting the Ukrainians. Oh, okay. So anyway, he says, don't weep. Why? Because he's about to do something. Um, so um, all over the place, you see the weeping is something that um, Jesus is actually, a, he wasn't a hard-hearted person. He wept himself when he saw that people weren't, uh, were hard-hearted and they weren't changing. Okay, like it says, he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and he wept over it. When he saw Lazarus, his, uh, that he died, and Lazarus's um, sister was crying, he wept. So Jesus isn't about just like, oh, everything's cool, let's just have a positive mindset. No, he had compassion for this woman and he knew what he was going to do. And that's why he said, don't weep. Because let's see what he's going to do. How does he interrupt it? This crowd of Jesus followers fall of running into a crowd of grievers, mourners, right? We've been in, we've been in this building a number of times where we've done uh, services for people that have died of fentanyl overdose and other deaths. And, and it's so broken, so 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 hard to just be uh, to see the suffering of people when they've lost someone right so jesus um he came up he came up to this procession that's moving towards the towards the grave where they're going to bury this boy and he touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt okay so this is pretty bold move right he just stops the whole funeral procession and he does it in a way um, that is totally uh, breaking all the religious rules because there's a whole thing in the Bible where you're not supposed to touch the dead. If you touch the dead, you become unclean. And um, I don't know what the equivalent would be of touching. There's things that we wouldn't touch probably in our culture, like, uh, like you know, like, like, uh, like in, in a lot of places they have places where you can put needles. What are those things called? Safe. What? Dispensers. Okay, you wouldn't, you tell people not to stick your hand in there, right? Okay, so that would be an example of something we wouldn't want to touch, right? Out of the garbage. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to stick my hand through the fence where there's a big pitfall that's been trained to just gnaw on people who are trying to break in. I wouldn't want to do that either, right? So Jesus says, or the Old Testament says, the soul which shall touch an unclean thing, carcass, or that which is unclean dead bodies, uh, that person shall be, uh, you know, shall have transgressed, and they're supposed to stay outside the camp for seven days. Like there's all this stuff in the Old Testament, really weird stuff about not touching dead bodies. Okay, well, Jesus, he um, he breaks that rule all the time because he carried the power of the Holy Spirit that was stronger than any contagion. You know, contagions are things that we, we try to stay away from. We put a mask on to avoid getting COVID, right? Well, Jesus carried the power of God that was so strong that his power of the Holy Spirit, the clean, pure uh, empowerment of the Spirit overcame the contagions. And so when he touches something that's unclean, he makes it clean. When Jesus touches us, he makes us clean, and he does it. Um, he does it earlier. Um, he stretched out his hand to this leper. Okay, that was like the ultimate no-no back in the day, right? And he touches him and says, I am willing. Um, because the guy says, if you're willing, I can, will you make me clean? He says, I am willing. He touched him. And he was cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Or he, um, all the people were trying to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and he was healing everybody. And um, so there's all these examples in the Bible of people, of Jesus touching people and that. So, um, so he touched the cop, and look what happens. The bears who are ready to take the boy and bury him, they come to a stop, and then Jesus um, says to the boy, okay, young man, I say to you, arise. Can you imagine that? Young man, I say to you, get up. Okay. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Okay, this is a dead boy, adolescent probably. I don't know how old he was, 16, 17, I don't know. He was a man, but he was a boy. Um, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Okay, so that's what you call interrupting death, right? So um, what would that look like for us to do that? I mean, Jesus wants us to be about the same actions that he did. This isn't just a, oh, Jesus was God and he did that, but now he's gone. Um, too bad for us. Sucks for us. He's gone. No, we're supposed to be. What would it look like for us to be a procession that was moving towards um, those that are dying in our county? Helping somebody get into treatment. Helping someone get into treatment. Absolutely. What's that? Oh, yeah. When I called Jeff. When I was in France, I called him and I said, Jeff, you staying out of trouble? And he was he was like two in the morning in here in the Skagit Valley. And he had a ski mask. He was just gonna he just put over his head and he was gonna go do a robbery. And he says, Whoa, dude, that's creeping me out. And so he decided to stow his weapon and, and not do the robbery. Yeah, isn't that cool? But like we've been going out on Fridays um, and We've been running into people who were on the verge of dying, a lot of these people. There's so many people that are right on the verge. They could die anytime. 
young people, right? We've been meeting all these people, these precious people. And, um, and we've been offering to pray for them. We offer to give them, we give them uh, hot drinks, a couple of soups, um, hot chocolate. Um, and we offer to pray for people. And, and, and I hope that we're interrupting death. Okay. Yes. They're not actually dead, so we're not raising them from the literal dead. But, but I believe we have an opportunity to, to interrupt death in our county. Yeah. And I think Jesus wants us to be people that go out. What's cool about this is they're out and about. They're not, um, you know, they're not in a church. These guys are out on the street. Jesus is out on the street, and he's outside the city. He's outside the city gate. Okay, So he's meeting people who are outsiders, and he's an outsider. Okay, and he makes himself unclean in the, in the eyes of the religious people, and but by doing that, he actually shifts the whole the whole scene. Yes, he, he turns things around in the opposite direction. He interrupts death, and and what would that look like for us to be about that in our county? And I think I think for us to do that, we would need to be filled with that holy power of God that Jesus had. Okay, we yeah. we need to. That's why worship is so important. And gathering and taking the body and the blood of Jesus is so important because when we fill ourselves with the love and the power of God, then we carry something that is stronger than death. Okay. And when we know who we are as sons and daughters, and we can say in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world, you know, um, pain, you go away from this person's, you know, body, their back. You, you know, we, you know, we. I remember I one time had an opportunity to pray for a boy who was killed in front of the Skadji Valley Co-op. And um, I had talked to a guy who raised two people from the dead in Africa, an African man. And, it, and I was super challenged by that idea. But this boy who was killed by a train, he was 13. And um, I had a 13-year-old. My oldest son was 13 at the time. And I just was freaking out. I came, I was... I was in the Skagit Valley Co-op buying food, and this woman just looked like so upset. And I said, what's wrong? He said, this man just had a bunch of groceries. He just dropped them all on the floor because the, uh, someone ran in and said that his son had just been ran, run over by a train. Uh, the son had been chasing a chicken or something at, at the street fair, Skagit Valley Fair, or right there in the, in the, in the streets, and ran in front of a train and was, and was killed. And, so I went out to where the man was and I just held him and he just cried and just shook. And I was with him for probably, a, you know, dealing with the body. And, and then I, I had to get home I, um, and I finally just left. But then this voice was saying, why didn't you pray for the boy? But we couldn't go to the boy because they weren't letting anyone go near the body. But I just, um, I was, I was chickening out really. I, I headed home, but then I was like, this voice was saying, go back and uh, go back and be with that man and pray for that boy. And I'd be like, no so the way. The boy's body was on the pavement and the, the people, the uh, paramedics were all around, but they determined he was dead. He had a sheet covering him and um, they were going to let the family see the boy. No, actually, I didn't know that. I took off and then I drove down the clean road and then I my heart was just beating and I was like, this voice saying, go back and pray for the boy. And I'm like, there is no way I'm not gonna pray for that boy. I was so scared and, and I couldn't resist. I turned around and I went back and I, I, I went uh, and right then the paramedic said, oh, there you are. 
the father was looking for you. And so then the father just crying and shaking and holding him. And he's just, the guy was just freaking out. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to let the family say goodbye to the boy. And then I thought, now I'm, I'm going to pray for him. So I, I let everyone go. And I was the last person that I was with the dad. And we went right up to the body of this little boy. And uh, after the dad said goodbye to him, I laid my hands on him and I prayed for him. But he didn't raise from the dead. Mm -hmm. But it was, it changed my life actually yeah. to just even do that. I did it really very quietly. I didn't say in the name of Jesus. I, I just didn't have the guts. And I don't know that that would have been the way to do it anyway. I mean, it was my first time ever doing it. No, it wasn't the way to do it. I did it super, super humbly. I just put a hand on him and I was praying over him. And just saying, Lord, have mercy. It's so, so hard. But like, I believe that we should be praying for people in extreme troubles, people that are going through extreme troubles. We need to be finding the people that are going through this extreme troubles, the people that are suicidal, the people that are cutting, cutting themselves, the people that are tempted to just go over the edge into, into overdose, the people that, you know, are, are the most vulnerable people. We need to know who we need to go we need to be interrupters of death you guys so when jesus did this he's he's showing us he's setting the bar very high he's saying you guys um we you know this is what we're called towards is a higher level of um you know of resistance to death because death is the enemy death is the last enemy to be overcome and when jesus does this look what happens it says um fear gripped them all <laughs> no doubt Fear gripped them all, and um, and they began glorifying God. So see, it shifted the whole thing from mourning to to glor glorifying God. You know, praise you God. And they said, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited His people. And the report concerning Jesus went out over all Judea and all the surrounding district. Okay, so that's 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 the story that I I find uh, is super challenging. Especially when you think about like if we're going to actually live this out, what would it look like, right? And I just want to challenge us to not just, you know, dismiss this as something. It is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Yes. Um, visiting, you know, God visiting His people. This is something that um, everywhere is in the Bible that term is used. You know, there's this promise that God's going to visit. Um, visit us and when god visits us it shifts things that's when miracles happen right and and we're promised that god is wanting to visit us uh now you know in in these days uh before jesus even returns god can still visit us and move and bring a shift to our communities and to our lives so that's what i want to pray for so check this out this is one final thing john the baptist he was like um hanging and hanging back wondering okay he's hearing all the reports of jesus and everything and i don't know why he didn't just become a full-on advocate for jesus but the disciples of john reported to john about all these things and calling two of his disciples john sent them to the lord saying are you the expected one he was doubting that that jesus was the expected one i don't know why or do we do we come or do we look for someone else which uh, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? He cured many people of diseases and afflictions 
and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. Wow, how cool is that? Can you imagine seeing many, many, many? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you've seen and heard. Go and tell him what you guys have witnessed. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who doesn't take offense. Okay, so we don't want to take offense at this stuff that seems impossible. What we want to do is, I want us to pray right now that God would give us, increase our faith and um, give us courage to be willing to pray for people who are troubled who, and be interrupters of death. Can we, can we stand and just pray for a second? So Jesus, thank you that, um, that you model being an interrupter of death. And we ask that you would um, help us to um, step up to the plate, to not be afraid, to be willing to um, go the full distance in trusting you and uh, believing that you can do these kinds of things in our community. You know, we don't accept the death of all these young, young people. Uh, we don't accept suicide. We don't accept uh, overdose deaths. We don't accept uh, relapsing. We don't accept uh, reoffending and going off to prison for years in prison. We don't accept drive-by shootings or domestic violence or stabbings or um, cancer or Hep C or you know method anything. We just want to uh, refuse that stuff, and we don't accept depression and other mental illnesses as just normative anymore. We we ask for you to give us the courage to be interrupters of those evil powers that harm our community and harm us. And we ask that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill us up so that we will carry that power and love that can shift things. Just help us to be people who receive and um, are hungry, increase our hunger so that we can step into a, a new season here in this valley and see things turn around. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus.